Welcome back to the Winging It podcast. Today is a rare but wonderful occasion because sat opposite me is a man called Matt Dowling, who is the founder of the Freelancer Club. We don't often have men on the Winging It podcast, but I'm expanding our horizons because Matt has an awesome story to tell. And today we're going to be focusing on how to create a low risk startup. If you're listening to this on your phone, make sure you get the best experience by downloading the Entail app. Entel is an interactive podcast platform that combines the best of audio storytelling with the richness of the web. So this means you'll be able to follow links, view images, follow people on social and much more by just tapping your phone. The music for this podcast is epic, I know. It's been provided by The Edit Album, a curation of copyright-free music for creatives. Our listeners get 25% off with the code SASSY25 and I'll leave the link in the description box or if you're listening on Entel, you'll be able to click the link now. Hi Matt. Hello. Can you tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, of course. Uh, So I am founder of Freelancer Club and we're a platform that for the past five years have been nurturing creative freelancers, typically content creators. And now for the first time, we're going to be opening our doors to companies uh, to create an ecosystem for both creative freelancers and companies to get to know each other and connect. I think that's such an awesome idea. I I mean, when I started, I don't think there was anything really like that that was kind of easily accessible or that people knew about so um, for people who go freelance to kind of be able to get involved in something that you know they're not having to market themselves directly is such an awesome thing. Yeah I think there's um, been such a boom in freelancing over the past few years anyway it's becoming far more accessible from both sides so freelancers I don't think are as daunted as they used to be to take the plunge. Yeah for sure. And I think companies are now far more susceptible to using freelancers So I guess the company has sort of evolved to become a bit of a resource to try and show people how easy it can be to engage with freelancers and how to get the most out of them. Um, And we're big on the ethical um, approach. We're trying to uh, take a look at what's happening um, with freelancers when they do work for companies. Um, And so it's quite exciting. There's a lot to it and it's ever growing and ever expanding. Amazing. And why did you start the freelance club? Because I know that you've got a quite a interesting background story. Yes, thank you for bringing <laughs> it up. Uh, uh, I was a freelance photographer for many years, and probably quite similar to a lot of freelance stories. I had no clue what I was doing when I started. Uh, started shooting out of necessity because I had to pay some rent and some bills, and I wasn't able to get a full time job uh, straight out of uni. So I figured it out as I went along and had uh, some ups and downs. Um, The big downer was a particular company who um, I worked very successfully with for a year. Uh, They were an e-com fashion company. And over time, I grew into the role and became, I guess, sort of the head of fashion, where I'd, I'd organize all the shoots, I'd bring in a team. And it took so much of my time, I dumped the rest of my clients. Um, second year in, uh, I didn't get paid after a month and was told it was an accounting issue. Uh, second month. Classic. A good, <laughs> yeah, a good one that I fell for hook, line and sinker. Uh, they were changing systems second month. Again, totally believable. <laughs> and this went on for a few months. And really it was a sort of insight into my ridiculous naivety. I didn't have a contract with them. 
and uh. really based it on the fact that we were friends in air quotes and you know I had a personal relationship with them um, and the big sort of reveal was when I finally uh, was so broke I had borrowed so much money from friends and couldn't pay rent anymore and was struggling to eat and was struggling to get to the studio to continue producing the work for them whilst they weren't paying me was um, when I went into their head office for the first time to, to confront them having just broken completely and it was empty and they'd, they'd gone into liquidation so oh yeah it was, an, it was a nasty one they had been using me to continue to produce the stock photography to sell the last of the stock so they could make good um, such a tough one isn't it because you don't want to when you're like friends air quotes <laughs> air quote friends you don't want to be like uh, excuse me where's my money because you feel like you've got that relationship with them but you also don't want to you know you want to continue the good relationship with them in good faith and you know when you keep chasing money you don't want to seem like desperate so it's such like a difficult one it's such a tricky balance, isn't it? It's, you, you, as you say, you don't want to muck up that relationship and you don't want to be the troublemaker. And because you're seen as the, the little guy in, in this corporate world, I think it can feel quite daunting to- It can, and you can also sometimes feel like, well, you know, if I kick up a fuss, they could replace me like that. Yeah. When actually, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe they couldn't replace you like that. Um, but it's that thing that constantly hangs over your head because you're kind of like, well, you know, I could do with the money type of thing. For sure. And something that we've come across a lot is that lack of confidence, particularly when starting off and knowing just how valuable you are. Um, it is, sure, it is relatively easy to replace a freelancer, but it still comes with a cost. And we've often found that people who stand up for themselves and say, you know what, this isn't right, it's not fair, I, I, I have an issue with X, Y, and Z. If communicated properly, I think actually yeah. shows a lot of respect and professionalism. No, I totally agree. Um, it's one of those things, though. It's, it's difficult to know what to do in that situation, isn't it? Because, I mean, I've been in those situations, and actually what I've learned is that it's best to just pick up the phone because, I mean, emails can just be so misconstrued or, you know, if you don't say it properly, people can get annoyed. But, yeah, it's just about, I guess, a learning curve, isn't it? But I guess that's the type of stuff that you kind of help people with. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's hugely a learning curve, and what we're trying to do is expedite that. So... You know, it's so hard to keep your head above water, particularly living in London and running a business or being a freelancer. And so you do have a finite amount of time for the for the freelance business or your startup to work. And anything that we can do to try and expedite that and teach people where the pitfalls are so they don't make the same mistakes that I made and probably 100 other people make all the time uh, means we're doing a good job. So any support we can give freelancers, I think, uh, to empower them and to make them feel and realize just how valuable they are. And they are truly valuable. The work that freelancers do and what we see every day is inspiring. And it's um, often just sort of kicked to the curb a bit. And I think we need to step back and look at this uh, amazing talent pool that we have. It's oh, incredible. I like completely agree. I mean, I run my business. Um, I mean, I've got a marketing assistant who works for me, but. I run everything else, so like web developers, graphic designer, um, they're all freelancers. And I just think it's amazing because what you can do is, you know, it's relatively low risk getting a freelancer because obviously you just pay them for the work that you need. But also, you know, there's so much talent out there and 
all of these freelancers are like on the top of their game. Like they're young, creative, you know, not even that, but you know, freelancers have got to work on some awesome stuff. So you've got a real mixture of amazing people out there that can really assist in various different projects, whatever it is that you need to do. Yeah, and if you think about bringing somebody at that level in full time, the cost is probably unattainable. Exactly. But you yeah. can have somebody to work on a project who has just come from, I don't know, working off Vivian Westwood or a very you know high level shoot with incredible um, people around them. And to be able to extract not just their services for your project, but they will give you so many insights. Watching them work will show you so many things you possibly didn't know yeah. and extracting all these uh, different elements from every connection that you have and every hire that you make. Uh, I think is when freelancing and company relationships get really exciting. It is, and there's so much to learn. I mean, you know, having a having a team of people in the house is one thing, but getting an outsider's opinion is a game changer. For sure, even fresh eyes on a project. You know, if, 100%. It's, if it's your own business and you're so deep in it, to have somebody from the outside take a look at a website or a logo or a brand and say, okay, what's happening here? Um, I love that. That's a really nice moment. It is. So. There's lots of different websites out there for freelancers. Um, how is the Freelancer Club different to other websites that allow you to find and hire freelancers? So we take a totally different approach to the typical uh, gig economy site, if you like, or an agency site. So we're not an agency, uh, we're a membership club, um, which means freelancers join, they pay a monthly fee, and they get access to 101 different things. Uh, the main value proposition is resources, uh, access to events, workshops, master classes to try and help develop their soft skills and also access to paid work and collaborative work. Um, and we, can, um, we might get onto that later. But the uh, main difference from a company perspective, if you're a startup, is you're able to tap into this talent pool of 30,000 creative, con um, creative freelancers sorry, uh, without any agency fees or any cost uh, to acquire them. Um, the other aspect that we're really hot on is the ethical side to ensure that freelancers get the entire fee uh, from each project. So again, we, we won't take any commission uh, and the startup gets to work directly with the freelancer and nurture that relationship and take it wherever they want. So there's no fear of saying, oh, I have to keep putting things through a website. We're more like a dating site for, for startups and freelancers. We'll connect you guys together and then you can nurture that relationship yourself. I love that. I think a lot of people struggle to find freelancers. It's one of those things, isn't it? I think the freelancers that I know, I've been introduced to through friends of friends or um, one of them for another website, but you know, <laughs> gotta take that stuff offline. Um, <laughs> so how does it work in terms of uh, say I'm a company and I want to work with a freelancer, how does it work in terms of finding someone through the freelance club? Uh, you got a couple of options. If you're proactive, you can get onto the site and, and just have a browse, um, which is quite fun. And you can search by location, discipline. Um, we have uh, an influence uh, feature, which is kind of cool. So if you're, if you're producing content that you want to promote, so I don't know, if you're a startup that sells product and you want a photographer to come in and shoot that product, you could source the photographer, the model, hair, makeup, stylist, all from the site. And you could even choose people who you see have a very powerful social influence. So part of the contract that you put together oh. could be, okay, guys, I want you to shoot this for me, but I also want you to promote it. 
Um, so that's the proactive way. We're just about to release a new tool that will enable you to create lists, which is cool. So you could put a list together, say, uh, Fashion Photographer London, and in there you could browse and move people that you like or photographers whose style matches your brand yeah. into this list. So you may not need a photographer today, but you now have a talent pool on your profile ready to engage with anytime you want. Amazing. Uh, you can chat to them very casually. So we were really keen to eradicate all of the formalities. Uh, you can send emojis, you can download an app if you have an iPhone and just keep it. Because you need to send emojis, like, yeah. If you're not sending <laughs> emojis, you're just, you, you're not running a business. Yeah, uh, <laughs> So I think um, we were keen to do that. You know, it's it seems strange to be formal with freelancers. It's, we, we don't need the CV thing. It's show us your work, what's your price, what have you done before? Uh, let's emoji. And I think that's the natural <laughs> progression of hiring. Uh, so the other way is you can post a project on the site whereby freelancers will apply and come to you. So you'll then get a list and the algorithm will do the rest. It'll match the perfect freelancer dependent on the brief based on a number of different um, aspects uh, that you're looking for from location to skill set to price. Um, so yeah, uh, tech does all the hard work so you can be a human and chat to people I love that okay and so from the other side how's that work from a freelancer's perspective so they um, do various things on their profile so they could upload work they can uh, uh, ask for reviews they can uh, help uh, increase their position on the directory by being more active on the website so we're um, encouraging freelancers to try and be as engaged with the community as possible yeah and with that you get benefits and those benefits tend to be you'll get a lot more attention you'll generate leads companies will find you uh, and equally when a job or a project is posted on the site they're able to uh, apply for it the other thing that we have which is um, specific to collaboration and really key to define and ensure that there's a sort of a clarity between collaboration and exploitative unpaid work. So a collaboration for us is when only freelancers get together and they all produce work for their portfolio. So there isn't a company involved, nobody is selling the work, nobody is commercially gaining from the experience. Yeah. It's a way for a bunch of freelancers to improve their skill, to meet each other and, and make a connection and have another sort of freelance buddy close by and produce cool work that you're going to be able to use. Um, so for people who are just coming up in the freelance world, it's an amazing way to very safely develop your business and not have to go and give up your amazing services and skills to a company for more air quotes, experience or exposure or the promise of free work in the future. Let's just talk about that a little more because I, um, I think a lot of people when they leave full-time work or you know maybe they have never had full-time work but doing you know being a freelancer can be particularly lonely at times um personally I've never felt it because I know a lot of people that work for themselves and you know I've always been able to kind of get on and hang out with other people but for for those who don't know anyone you know actually it can be quite difficult for friends to understand what it is that you're going through and you don't really want to complain about it because I don't know sometimes people are like well you don't have to go into an office whatever but getting together with other freelancers and you know doing a, a project like that can really 
you know be quite helpful in in helping you feel happier and you know collaborating with other people learning from their experiences asking them questions especially if you're new like that's a really awesome thing I think it's massive and just touching on the sort of loneliness aspect when you start off and uh, some freelancers listening might think well, I don't have the opportunity to collaborate because of the nature of what I do but you can <clears throat> typically find other people who would be keen to do something with you you know we've helped dancers and architects collaborate together you know oh. there's really interesting dynamics occurring with uh, freelancers in areas you wouldn't think would work well together so even if you're say an illustrator that in your mind might feel very individual and isolated there's tons of great stuff you can do and I know a lot of other people would love to collaborate with illustrators to create some cool projects and ideas and as you say there's something about collaborating that is very fulfilling you know working as a team um, even for a short period of time and producing something collaboratively is a really beautiful experience um, and even more importantly I think is getting out of your own head and leaving your house and having some form of social interaction um, so you're not getting cabin fever and, and we do a lot of this we have a whole sort of mental health piece that we do uh, on the site and we're very keen to talk about it um, we've, we've just launched a new event uh, freelancer club breakfast which will be all about opening up and talking about the taboo awkward aspects of being a freelancer uh, small intimate groups where we want people to open up and chat about uh, the reality of it. And the first one, coincidentally, is how to cope during the quiet times. Uh, and I think it's really important we start uh, feeling good about talking about this and saying, yeah, my friends think I hang out, drink coffee and work from be uh, my bed all day. And that only happens 95% of the time. <laughs> um, but it does come with stress. It does come with... Um, questions that you have and work isn't consistent I think there are a lot more uh, triggers for freelancers that it, particularly in the first few months that I think we should keep an eye on and talk about a little bit more yeah I totally agree I totally agree I think that's an awesome idea love that so let's talk about startups and some of the benefits of using a freelancer I've actually talked about on this podcast specifically from day one that I love using freelancers it's just been like the best thing for my business and not just because I'm not a graphic designer even though actually I am going to go and do a graphic design course because love learning um I'm not a web developer I've kind of learn on the job but you know really what I should be spending my time on is not doing that stuff mm. and giving it to someone that does know how to do it properly so that you know it can be done in a proper way so it's been amazing for my business um so what what do you think are some of the benefits of using a freelancer if you're a startup company yeah I think to that point that's a really hard one as a founder of a company to overcome early doors is that idea of saying you know I can do everything myself and <laughs> Uh, That's me. I, I can design me. a lot. Yeah, you know, I've once used Photoshop. So um, I think getting over that hurdle that somebody may be more suitable to a project than yourself is tricky enough, actually. And it's your baby. It's your startup. You don't want to give it up to somebody. Um, but actually, when you start to engage freelancers and get over the hurdle that um, it's, again, touching on this word collaborative, when you have a startup, uh, it's so much easier to do it with other people and, and have... Uh, the right experts come in and help with specific things. So I think the, the first bit is if you're willing to engage with freelancers, um, it can be amazing. Uh, I got a great tip when I started out, which was 
list anything that you think is worth under 15 quid an hour and just write it down. So what are the things you're doing day to day? And typically, in my case, it was a, an administrative stuff. So I was putting together a lot of uh, Excel spreadsheets, generating leads. Uh, I think I was dealing with a lot of uh, meetings and, and calendar stuff. Uh, and so I just farmed that out. And I said, great, because I think my time is worth more than 15 quid an hour where I need to be and where I want to go. And that figure gradually went up and up and up and I kept farming things out. And what it meant was the time that I had, I knew was time well spent and that I was giving um, the best of myself to that time. So I think even from a starting point with a startup company, like that first few months, if you're open to engaging with freelancers, you'll end up with a pretty cool product. Um, I've recently helped somebody put a website together who's just starting out and introduced them to a really cool web designer. And she has got a product that I think, if that was me, that would have taken a couple of years to recognize. Everything from the brand is so professional. The site looks amazing. And this person is just starting out. And they have leapfrogged so much of the hassle that I think you would have had to go through. Um, then I think there are scenarios where it's not bad to go through a bit of hassle. Uh, like accounting, it's good to know the basics before immediately Let's jumping just not in. talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the day I hired an accountant was the greatest day of my life. I hired an accountant from the beginning. What I'm just learning now is that I need a bookkeeper because <laughs> I just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine, but you know, give it to someone that can. Bookkeepers are wonderful. They really are. I think all that stuff. I'm so excited to not do it. Oh, it's just, (laughs) I don't know why it's so amazing. Well, what I like doing is I like doing the invoicing because I like being like, yes, I'm going to get that money. But what I don't like doing is like seeing all the money go out and then seeing and then booking the stuff that's coming. You know, you know what it's like. So you don't like seeing money going out, (laughs) but you like seeing money coming in. Yeah, well, you know, we're all the same. (laughs) (laughs) A born entrepreneur. Everyone's thinking it, but I'm just the one that said it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think the other, the other thing is that, um, having people on a payroll can be a massive commitment and, you know, for things that you could just farm out when you actually don't need someone full time to do that is, is a really great thing. And I, I don't think a lot of people think of, uh, of, um, freelancers enough for work like that. Some people just think, oh, you know what? I need, I need someone full time cause I need them to kind of wait on me hand and foot that is probably one of well that's one of my favorite things about using freelancers apart from the creative work that's yeah. like the number one um the other thing i was going to say that you touched on earlier is that um i think when you're farming out work sometimes you have this vision in your head and this is more of a tip of working with freelancers um that i have is when you're learning to let go i think you have this vision in your head sometimes and say you're giving graphic design work out you've got this specific vision in your head that actually you think you know i could do it on photoshop you end up doing it it looks awful so you're like right i'm going to use a graphic designer and you give it to them and probably 90 percent of the time they hit the nail on the head bring a new perspective that wasn't there but a lot of people don't verbalize well enough what it is that they're looking for um so one of the things that i learned very early on is that if you have something really specific that you want doing it's really great to kind of write out a full um a full brief do sketches if you can to be as specific as you can and then discuss it because i think freelancers don't like being told what to do like most of us um who run a business 
So you're having that discussion with them and seeing what you know what their recommendations would be rather than going this is the project I have do it exactly how I want you to do it and don't make any kind of changes I think you have to learn that you know other people will bring a creative aspect and that's only a good thing um but yeah I just wanted to share that tip <laughs> <laughs> I agree I think it's uh, that's actually a skill that's tricky um delivering a brief talking about a brief even giving feedback that's not easy you can muck it up and really uh, end up with an awkward relationship with that freelancer. And if they're a creative or typically in tech, which is where it happens the most, because uh, often you have two people speaking almost different languages. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you, have, uh, you have a real uh, pitfall there to be able to muck it up. And, and I think feedback when it comes to freelancers, and even if you did want something very specific, if you had a vision, and you said, look, this is what I want to create. I think if you communicate that to the freelancer to say, look, I'm, I really am uh, clear on this. And if I'm not, tell me and I'll make sure it's clear. But I want you to replicate my vision. You'll find freelancers are very susceptible to that. They'll, they're fine. They'll say, cool. I now know the brief. I think where you get into trouble a lot is when there isn't a clear brief one way or the other with the freelancer. And the feedback is things like, I don't know, just make it better, you know, or just make it good. That is the worst. Even if you're not a freelancer, people come back to me going, hmm, just needs to be like a bit better. Or like, oh, it wasn't really what I was thinking. It's like, well, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, if we can dig into that Please a little bit. share that with me. Yeah, I think that's when it gets problematic, when there isn't much direction. You know, like a director of a film giving notes to an actor. You want to try and very gently stroke the ego and equally guide them towards your vision. But, you know, the creativity, if you're up for that, that was such a good point. I think when you hire someone who's really creative and probably uh, slightly more specialized than you at this particular project, let them flourish, you know, let them go. And they might surprise you and you end up with something that was way beyond your expectations. I think another point is that um when you're selecting freelancers, I always think it's really great to look at the previous work that they've used because the worst thing is getting obviously getting into a relationship with a freelancer saying, you know, I want you to do this work and then actually the style not matching up quite with what it was that you kind of had in your head. And, you know, you have to respect that people do have different styles, um, you know, as we all do. It's like when you walk into someone's home, you know, everyone has a different kind of interior style. And that's the same with, you know, any creative. Um, and one of the things that can be really helpful is obviously looking at previous work that they've done to yeah. see one, if it's, you know, up to the standard that you were kind of hoping for. And also to see whether that style matches what you're thinking yeah and a photographer isn't a photographer uh who just shoots everything you know equally with almost every creative freelancer um they have a style they have a uh, a brand that they're bringing to the table we, we've got this thing on the site it's the latest projects page and it just lists it's curated so it shows you the best of but there's a lot and it lists work from members and the smart bit about it is you can punch in a keyword so let's say you put in gothic, you'll start to see a style uh, that hopefully matches the vision you have. So you could um, find and hire freelancers purely through their style of work. Um, eventually, I think we'll get to a point where you'll be able to upload your brand and the algorithm will be able to pull the color from the logo, the style, the font, and then show you freelancers 
who have similar styles around your brand. You could put keywords in, like let's say you have a soft brand that you want to attract, I don't know, uh, 18 to 25 year old females. It might be a jewelry company, but you you want it to be- Oh my God, that's really weird that you just said that because I was thinking (laughs) that in my head. Oh really? (laughs) (laughs) Let's start a jewelry company for 18 to 25 girls. Um, And you know in your mind, it's gonna have a certain sensibility to the brand. It's gonna look a certain way. And what I think we hope uh, the future of the club will be is that you'll be able to find anyone you need to realize that vision for you purely based on the feeling of your company. And I think the feeling is the most important part of branding. It's not just, you know, you've got to have the feeling before you have the name and the colors because that's kind of dictated by the way that you want to make your customers feel. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's often the last thing that freelancers look at. I think startups are pretty good at it because I think startups know a little more about the business plan structure of setting up a company. You know, it starts with branding, starts with a website, and then I'm moving into an idea probably the reverse and then I have my business cards and you have these things as a freelancer we've found a lot of people study something or they're good at something and they go straight into uh, selling themselves on social media to try and find clients so there's not a huge amount of thought around what am I representing what is my brand saying what am I communicating how am I different and even what's my style often that happens two three years into a freelancer's career where they start to hone in on a very particular look that they get known for. Um, and when you niche like that, I think you, uh, you'll pick up work. So long as the market's big enough within the niche, uh, I think that's a really nice way to, to stand out from the competition. So how do you think you can develop a good kind of ongoing relationship between freelancer and employer? Because, um, I mean, I've personally had awkward encounters, well, one specific most recently um most of the relationships that you develop with people tend to be positive ones but then you know five percent of the time you might have someone that's you know a little bit awkward or perhaps you're just not you know you're just not the right fit so what kind of tips would you give to let's do business owners to freelancers first and then the other way around so what kind of tips would you give to people who are running a business in terms of um how to develop a good relationship with a freelancer I, I think if you start off with a really clear brief, as we touched on, that's a, that's a really good first point of call. Okay. Uh, and I think communication across the board is so critical. Uh, so from a company's perspective, if you can open up a line of communication whereby if something is wrong, or if, particularly if they're working remotely and you're not sitting beside them in an office, um, having a way to be able to... Uh, not uh, be overbearing and hand them every day and say, come on, show me something, how's it going? But set milestones in place to say, cool, once you get, let's say the color and font for a logo design, I wanna take a look at it. And from that point, we'll have a chat. Uh, After that, I wanna see a version of it. And after that, we'll have a chat. And this sort of goes both ways. I think a freelancer really likes that idea of the right amount of communication. Um, not too little where you feel a bit in the dark and not too much where you feel you're uh, micromanaging that person. Um, The other big one is, and you touched on it earlier on, freelancers typically don't see themselves as employees and as such tend not to like to be treated like an employee. So the carrot and stick method of management is not always the best way to go. Uh, I always see working with freelancers to be like a, a partnership. So... Uh, these are smaller uh, little tips but maybe that helps somebody like if I have a meeting I never like to sit across from them because I feel it's too confrontational 
So I like to sit beside them where we were sharing a laptop and we're almost solving a puzzle together. Um, I think psychologically that makes it feel more collaborative. Uh, and we then will go through things and make it feel as if I'm clearly defining that brief and they have a lot of control to be able to go off and, and do what they love. Um, freelancers talk a lot and it's not that big a community. So treat your freelancers well because they will pass on a bad experience. Um, and these often uh, are just little things like if, a, if it's a more of a contract role whereby the freelancer is going to be in an office for a couple of weeks, you know, talk to them, uh, take them for drinks on a Friday, um, make them feel a part of it while they're there. Uh, it's counterintuitive because you know they're leaving, but uh, you never know if they're going to come back. Uh, they will talk to other people. And why not? You know, it's a good opportunity to actually uh, have somebody be a bit of an ambassador for your business to go off and say, they were so cool to me, you know? Well, that's, I guess that's how you want to make your customers feel. And at every touch point in a business, you know, you should really be making people feel relatively the same. So, yeah, I think so. I mean, exactly that. And, and these guys are getting uh, the insight into your company. They're seen under the hood of your business. So, um, you really want to make sure that they're feeling good and that, you know, when they come in, it, it looks like a great, great environment to work. Um, so I think that idea of involving freelancers uh, when you can is, is always beneficial. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, visual uh, references are also really important. So particularly if it is a creative project, freelancers typically think creatively and visually. So lots of words on a piece of paper breaking down exactly what your thoughts are around a project can be somewhat daunting. If you show me a photo and say, cool, yeah, I got it, um, or give me some references to a website, then I think you're starting to uh, break down the barriers and, and deliver that brief really clearly so it can be fulfilled. And when you work with a freelancer um, as a business, if you have a specific budget in mind, I mean, let's talk a bit about money because, you know, how much should you expect to pay a freelancer? You know, should it vary on experience or you know perhaps you have a budget in mind for I don't know a website redevelopment you're thinking you know this is the figure that I want to spend on it um, I want to find someone that can do it for that up to the standard that I want or does that kind of I mean I guess sometimes the budget can change depending on what it is that you do want if you don't realize that you know maybe you need to spend a little bit more to get exactly what it is that you want what kind of things should we be thinking about when deciding on what to spend with a freelancer yeah a bit of a minefield um so often what happens is a, a person it's not normally a startup actually because often they've got recommendations and somebody's given them a little bit of a handle on what something's going to cost yeah but there is a little bit of naivety when it comes to what things cost uh so for example if you hire a videographer um half a day mid-range videographer in london might cost you four or five hundred quid just for the shoot and then there could be an editing process yeah. afterwards. And that may not be that obvious to the person who's hiring. Um, so I think a little research online to give you a handle on the ballpark figure. Uh, if you do put a budget on something and say, cool, I want a website for 200 quid. Uh, and the website's quite complicated. That's a very unrealistic amount of money to get it done. You are going to get a reflection of that with the quality that apply for the job. So you might have a junior who says, you know what, I'll do it for that. Um, on the site, we're trying to avoid that as much as possible because we don't want something to end up being a race to the bottom and having people just undercut 
each other. We'd much rather work with the client to say, tell us what you want and we'll give you a really good uh, ballpark figure as to what you can achieve for that amount. Um, and if your budget only stretches to 500, we can probably find creative solutions to put a really cool product together uh, within that budget. Um, but there may have to be compromises. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd always suggest trying to be as realistic as possible instead of you know, trying to squeeze every last ounce out of somebody. Um, you can just end up with, again, a kind of tricky relationship. Uh, you might have to rehire somebody. Um, it just ends up being a little bit difficult. So uh, as important as the brief is, I think knowing uh, the value of a freelancer and the value of your project is equally as important. Um, so uh, once you've got that, I think you're then able to gauge from the applicants. You touched on previous work. So you'll always get to see the, the quality of the work straight up. And what's really interesting is when we post a job for, say, 500 to 1,000 pounds, the difference between the quotes, the messages that come in um, is fascinating. So this is definitely not just a client issue. Uh, freelancers also uh, need to figure out what their value is and how to price themselves. Well, that was going to be my next question because I know that that is something... I mean, when I first left my job and... You know, I, at the time I would have called myself a freelancer. Um, that was something I really struggled with, and I, you know, I went and worked for someone a few days a week, but you know, invoiced that out, and I kind of just worked for them for what they paid me, which was, you know, it was fair enough what they paid me. I totally think that was fair. Um, but you know, as other work started to come in, I was kind of thinking, right, well, you know, what what should I be charging? And I guess the answer is, is you've got to take a look at what your expenses are. You know in your life and what you need to be making and then kind of look at your experience um you know potentially you've worked with you know you've worked on some cool projects you worked with some awesome people and maybe that you know adds to it but really how from your from your point of view how how can freelancers price themselves that first bit you mentioned about checking out your expenses and seeing what you need to earn i think is a really good way to figure out your bottom line so if you know the figure you can never go below um, as say an hourly rate, you're then at least insured you're not going to be running a business that's making a loss. And freelancers often don't think of themselves as businesses, and I'd like for more of them to do that because it's a more responsible way to, to go forward. Um, there is an equation, we have it on the site, but it's effectively adding up all of your expenses. Um, you divide it by the number of chargeable hours you think you're going to have that year. So a chargeable hour is anything where you're uh, making money, you're charging somebody for your yeah. time, so it's not doing your invoicing. And then you add 20% on for tax. And if you put that equation together, you'll end up with a figure per hour um, that, let's say it's 20 quid per hour. You then know not to go below that figure yeah. uh, as a starting point. The pricing question is probably the most common question we get asked. It's really tough. It's industry specific. It's somewhat experience-based, but interestingly, that's changing a bit because we're seeing anybody from a, free, from a student sorry, to a newbie um, come with so much natural talent that their value goes up straight from the off because they are just so good at what they do. They're, they're more advanced at the, the technology that's just come out compared to somebody who's 20 years in the game who's perhaps not considered that tech. So in some instances, we're finding freelancers who are just staying ahead of the game um, 
to be I quite valuable. I suppose that's the other thing, isn't it? Is you've got to make sure that what you're producing is, is um, you know, I guess worth what you're charging. And you know, I'm always very conscious of making sure that everyone's happy because that's that's obviously part of the part of the service. Um, what if people have a job already and they're working in the evenings? Does that kind of affect antisocial hours? Would that affect the rate? Do you think? Um, I think people are probably more forgiving and maybe a little cheaper than they ought to be in that case because they're still in that mindset of uh, I have a wage coming in every month and I'm really just trying to step stone into freelancing potentially or it's a sort of side hustle. It's a little extra on the side. Um, I think that for, for everybody, not just freelancers, but anybody who thinks about pricing um, does well when they think, what am I worth to the company? So if I'm having a conversation with a, a company and trying to do a deal, I know my value more or less. And that's the tricky bit, is can you get to a place where you really know how much value you're giving a company? And with that, you're able to negotiate. Um, so I think with the side hustle piece, yeah, we've seen guys who probably don't classify themselves purely as freelancers, rather it's something they're passionate about and they see a way to make a bit of extra money. They sometimes are, um, can undercut, but actually, I mean, I think most are pretty smart about it and they'll know their value and say, yeah, this is great. I've got a bit of extra income coming in. Uh, a lot of freelancers who want to go freelance full time will, will start like that. So they will work very hard, their socks off for a few months to get the experience, to build up a portfolio, to make some contacts and regular clients, yeah. and then flick the switch, often to go part-time, part-time, and then eventually full-time freelance and leave the job completely. And that transition is a nightmare, and you will be tired for a long time. <laughs> but it's <laughs> worth it if you can get through it. It's a safer way to do it than just pulling the plug on a job and saying, you know, I'm going to go freelance tomorrow. Um, I think there's loads I of things that. you can do. Did you do that? Yeah. Well, I was, I was living at home and, you know, I thought, I'll go and work for someone two days a week. I mean, it's different for me because I work on retainer, but yeah, okay. um, it's a little bit safer than kind of picking up dribs and drabs of work, isn't it? But um, when I left, I just jumped ship because I thought, well, anything is better than this job, so see you later. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So... We're getting to the end of things. And okay, I am such an app person. I'm gonna ask everyone this. I have like hundreds of apps on my phone. It's quite disturbing. Um, and I use a lot of them regularly. So if there's one app that you can't live without, what would it be? And don't say anything social media. <laughs> yeah, no, I won't. Uh, so we have, I guess, a relatively interesting business structure that might be worth pointing out that is the reason why I'll tell you the app that I'm going to choose. We used to have full, a full-time team and we had an office and it was fairly traditional, uh, industrial model. Um, nine to five, people came in, fine. And we, over time, this happened about four years ago, we totally transformed that. So uh, I now work exclusively with freelancers. I think I know what you're going to say, but carry on, sorry. I, I wonder, should we put a little wager down? Uh, so you have to write it down and then I'll say it. And if you're right, you can get a free coffee from your own kitchen next door. Um, and we had to put together an, uh, a, a totally different structure. It's an app. I might be right. A totally different structure to try and uh, keep everyone together. And that app was 
and it's slack. Boom! Got it right. That's the coffee. Okay. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Slack's been amazing, and it's um, it's something that we we use every day. It enables our guys to speak to each other in groups. For anyone who doesn't know it, it's WhatsApp for businesses, effectively. Although it does a lot more than that. Um, and as a little bonus app, uh, we we use Asana, which is a project I management tool. I love Asana. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. And I know uh, Monday is rivaling. I've never tried Monday, but I've heard that's really good too. I use Asana with my freelancers. Yeah, so good. So project management and yeah. a really cool way to, again, be able to, and you can connect the two. So Slack and Asana talk to each other. See, I don't have Slack. I feel like I need to get it. Everyone keeps talking about it. Do you have friends? I have friends. Do you have any employees? I have one employee. Freelancers that you work with? Do? Yeah, I'd go for Slack. I think I need it. You're ready. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I mean, I feel like I should share one. I've written down here, but I've written, written this in everyone's notes. So I, my favorite app is Microsoft OneNote. I use it every day. Have you got it? No. It's so good. So it's an app on my laptop that I use for like a to-do list. And I, I can split things down into different kind of categories. So mm -hmm. on the left-hand side, I've got all of my clients. And then maybe I've got podcasts. And then within that, you can have separate different pages on it. It's effectively like Evernote. but Okay. It's, I just use it for to-do this because my brain is like a sieve. So <laughs> I need to write stuff down and that's where I put it. And then I go through the day and I take stuff off. And what's amazing is it's also on my phone and it syncs the two. So if I'm randomly out and about and I'm like, oh, my laptop's not out, but I need to write something down. I need to go and do this later on. I'll just write it down on my phone and it's in there. Isn't it amazingly satisfying to tick that up? Does it make a noise when you tick it off? Does it give you a little ping? Or it doesn't, and I, but I feel like that would make it more satisfying. <laughs> Maybe you could just do the noise yourself and <laughs> really feel, feel good about it. I think actually every time I tick something off, I go, tick that off. <laughs> oh, so that's the noise. Yeah, okay. it's my noise out loud, unfortunately, for my the people that work in my co-working space. <laughs> I just do tend to talk to myself. Cool, so usually at the end of every episode, I give like a motivational or inspiring tip or quote of the week. And I did those in the last series, but this series I'm asking the guests to do that. Oh, that's unfair. I think that's amazing. I love a quote. An inspirational quote? Or like something to live by. Like it doesn't have to be like a... Yeah, know, I've got one. Lame one. <laughs> well, okay, I don't know if I can promise that. <laughs> There's one and it often gets credited um, to different people. I think I've heard that John Lennon said it and then uh, a philosophical... But now we can say that it. Matt said it. Matt said, life is about the journey, not the destination. Oh, I love that one. It's a good one, isn't it? And it's an amazing one. I think when you run a business, it's really, uh, it really rings true. You know, every day is totally different. You work with loads of different people. You get to meet new people all the time. And if you're not enjoying that part of it, I don't know if it's worth getting into. You know, if it's just about the, the bottom line, personally, I couldn't get out of bed every morning for that. So the journey for me is... Uh, also, the, the destination part. always moves. It moves on the journey. It does, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, there's so many like highs and lows on the journey. It's like, it's just a one big life lesson. It's amazing. Yeah, and if you can hone into the now and be aware of what we're up to this second and be present, I think that's that's cool. You can kind of feel things and enjoy what you're doing and know, because it is very different. It's it's big time highs and lows compared to a full-time job. Um, 
But embrace it. Embrace the good and the bad. I think it's uh, it's the reason we get into it. Love that. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on and being my guest today. Pleasure. And where can we find the Freelancer Club if we want more information? Uh, freelancerclub.net and all the social media places are linked to the site. Do you have the same handles? More or less, yeah. Twitter's Freelancer Club and the rest, I think, are the Freelancer Club. Cool. And you can also find me on Instagram at Sassy Digital. Always giving free tips, just giving myself a plug. Thanks. If you're enjoying winging it, I would love you to leave me a review. And of course, any feedback is welcome. Just message me on Instagram at Lucy Hitchcock underscore. And don't forget to subscribe because we have some awesome guests coming up.